through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we know this day sing God's praise and when we first begun. This morning for a few minutes, I'd like to talk or teach on the thought of the need for grace. I begin this teaching by asking you a question. In your opinion, what is the greatest, most powerful, most popular Christian song ever written? What would you consider that song to be? Anybody? Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace was written by John Oliver Newton from England. Olivia Newton-John was named after him several, several years later. But John Oliver Newton grew up in church as a child, kind of got away from the things of God. His father owned a uh, score of slave ships. We go to the Ivory Coast, rob people, take them to England and sell them. And John got to work a little bit on his uh, father's crew. And then when his father died, he took the business over. And then uh, John got real sick. And it looked like he was going to die. And John turned his face to the wall, called upon God. And God healed him and saved him. John sold all of his ships and birthed the church began to work in the community. In 1803, he was the major voice responsible for the, the abolishment of slavery in England. One of the main voices he spoke became a pastor. And one Saturday night, he wrote a special message just for the congregation, wanted a song to go along with it, took a walk. And in his walk, he walked past a place that he had frequented. It was a pub. In America, we call that a bar. But he walked past the bar, and Aaron, as he walked past the bar, he heard this old beer-drinking song. They were playing this old beer-drinking song. And to the tune of that beer-drinking song, John Newton said, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Can anybody relate to amazing grace how good God has been to us Josh there have been some that have said the Old Testament was the law the New Testament was grace I disagree from the opening chapters to the closing verse of the Bible this book is full of grace it was grace that forgave Adam and Eve and allowed them to live it was grace that Noah found and he turned around and built an ark it was grace that saved the flooding of the world it was grace that Jacob found when he deceived his brother it was grace that David found when he dropped the ball, Samson when he dropped the ball, and Paul who pursued the law. It was grace that Paul found and turned his life around. What is kind of neat, most of the letters of the New Testament, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, in with, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 21, 22, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with us. Amen. Look at somebody and say, Amen. Amen. Notice, if you will, Hebrews 4 and 13. I'll start with verse 14. And I know it's Hebrews 4 and 14. I know that uh, Bailey always takes notes. So, Bailey, 
You need to get your notes. There's seven things you're going to write down today. They're going to be quick, quick get a pencil paper. Uh, everybody say Garrett is a miracle Garrett. on the front row. He should be dead, but the grace of God cushioned him in an accident. He's here today walking and healthy, and I'm sure eating like a horse, Josh, would you not say? <laughs> a teenager never gets full. They just get tired. Revelation 4 and 13, 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. For we have not a high priest which can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Watch this. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. How exciting this morning that God commands us to come boldly to the throne of grace, especially when we're going through stuff. And he said, when you come to my throne, you're going to find grace is something we don't deserve. Grace is something that God gives us. Mercy is God not doing something that should be done. But the Bible says you will find grace and you'll find mercy when you pursue the throne of God. Amen. We live in a generation that is scary. I wrote, let me read what I wrote, never in the history of the world has there been so much confusion, stress, worry, terror, panic, and hopelessness. It almost, if you're not careful, if you watch the evening news for any amount of time at all, it's easy to get overwhelmed. I know that many of us are uh, probably freaking out over things that are taking place right now in the political structure of our country, but we are on the verge if the church, if the Christian population does not rise up and vote November 3rd, we are on the verge of some horrible things happening to this nation. And once that party is in control, there's no way to thwart that. They can do what they want to do. If ever we have prayed for our nation, if ever we prayed for a president, if ever we prayed for direction, this is the season not just to pray. Look at somebody, not just to pray, but to go and vote. It's important that we go and vote. So in spite of everything that's going on, overwhelmed by or perplexed by everything that's taken place, we can come to God's throne. It's not a throne of judgment. It's not a throne of examination. It's not a throne of condemnation. But we can come boldly because it's a place of peace. Yes. Look at somebody say, a place, a place of peace. We come boldly without fear, without worry, without anxiety. We don't come thinking, well, maybe God won't hear me. Maybe God won't help me. No, God's in it for you. God's here for you. You are the apple of his eye, and he's in it for you. His eye is on the sparrow, and we know he watches over us, and he just looks for ways to bless us. Sometimes I'll just chase my kids down and give them a $20 bill, not because they earned it, not because they deserved it, because I had it and I wanted to bless them. And that's the way that God rolls. God wants to chase you down hopefully with more than a $20 bill, but a $20 bill is nice. Hello? That's 20 I didn't have. But God goes out of his way, and if he knows where you're walking, the Bible says a highway shall be there. It's the way of holiness. And when you're walking that path and God knows where you're at, he can surprise you and overwhelm you with blessings and favor of grace and mercy. Look at someone and say, I'm ready for a breakthrough. I'm ready for him to overwhelm me. 
even so let it happen. What does the word grace mean? What is grace? The Hebrew word for grace is gift. The Hebrew word for grace is gift. There is an acrostic for grace, G-R-A-C-E. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. The, one of the purest forms of grace we see, Josh, in the entire Bible is a thief on the cross. The thief did nothing to deserve salvation. The thief did nothing to deserve being adopted in the family of God. But when the thief cried out to Christ on the cross, what did Jesus say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah. Not something that you earned, not something that you worked out, but it's something that God did. Grace is a gift. Aren't you glad that grace brings us favor we don't deserve? It pays a debt that we could not pay. And we realize that grace in the Greek is word gift. I remind you of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus Christ is a gift. Jesus Christ is grace. It's not a thought or a concept, but grace left the splendor of heaven and came to this earth. Grace was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Grace was baptized in the Jordan River. Grace went about doing good, healing all the oppressed by the devil. Grace spoke as no man had ever spoken. Grace raised the dead. Grace fed the multitude. Grace healed the blind, the lame, the deaf. Grace walked on water. Someone say amen. Grace prayed in Gethsemane, not my will, but thine will be done. Grace wore the crown of thorns. Grace was nailed to the cross. Grace was laid in a borrowed tomb. Grace arose on the third day. Grace ascended to the right hand of God. Grace ever liveth as our high priest. Grace ever is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign forever. He's returning for a church. Grace is returning for a church that's watching and waiting for him. A bride, a church without spot, without blemish. Look at somebody say, even so come grace. Not just a concept, not just an idea, but grace is Jesus bringing us the favor and mercies of God. We can come boldly to the throne. Moses saw God on the throne. Isaiah saw God on the throne. John the Revelator saw God on the throne. The Bible says we can come to the throne in the time of trouble. I want to tell you this morning, are you ready, Bailey? Got your notes? You ready? Okay. You're going to memorize them, right? There'll be a quiz next Sunday, okay? There are seven types of grace. There are seven types of grace that's manifested. The first type of grace is the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Yes. Ephesians 2 and 8, for grace by, are you saved that not of works lest any man should boast. Grace is not something you earn or deserve. It's not by works, but it's by the favor and the blessings of God upon your life through the blood of Jesus. I'm reminded of that song that says, Once like a bird... In prison I dwell, no freedom from my sorrow I felt. But Jesus came and ministered to me, and glory to God, he set me free. Anybody set free in this building? He set me free. Yes, he set me free. Do this with me. He broke the bonds of prison for me. Do the, I'm glory bound by Jesus to see. Glory to God. He set me free. And when I think about that, I think about the song that says, Thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. Been washed in the blood of Jesus. Been born again. Hallelujah. I'm saved, saved, saved by his glorious power. I'm so glad that I found out he could bring me out to this miraculous 
this hour, once, once like a bird. Aren't you glad you're not in a cage anymore, but you're alive? And say this with me. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Go ahead. What does it mean to be saved? It means to be forgiven and free. It means to be completely restored. I am saved by the blood of Jesus. There's not a hell waiting for me, but a heaven. How he could come down in the gutter of where you and I floated and got down there with us and lifted us up and put us on a rock. I don't know how or why he does that, but I accept it as truth and I've applied it to my life. I'm not going to a devil's hell. I'm a child of the Father. I'm enjoying the blessings of the Lord. I'm walking in his favor and his anointing. And one day he's going to speak. And when he speaks, I'm going to leave this earth. And I'm going to a place. I'm going zoom, 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 far above the moon, past the Milky Way to a place called heaven to hang out with a man called Jesus to live forever in his delight and his glory. So forever I will be with the Lord Wherefore, Garrett, comfort one another with these words. Look at Bailey real quick and comfort her. Look at Dad real quick and comfort him. Be of good cheer. It ain't over till it's over. Hello. There's a new day coming and it's going to break forth like a thief in the night. It's not going to come to the church like a thief in the night because we're watching and waiting for him. We've got our garments on. We've got our lamps full of oil. We are ready and we're anticipating his coming. Amen. If you don't believe that, say amen. Let it be. Second type of grace. I'll move quickly is the sanctifying grace. The sanctifying grace. Sanctification. When doctors and nurses get ready to perform surgery, they take their instruments and they dip them in alcohol. And that rubbing alcohol sterilizes those instruments so the doctors are able to perform the surgery that is necessary. That is what sanctification is all about. The song says, don't look for me to be in the place I used to be. There's been a change in me. I found a better way. And since I found the church and found a place to pray, there's been a change in me. I found a better way. And that's what salvation is all about, to be, to be, to be saved by grace. Sanctification is him taking our life and allowing us to be more like him. The more we're like him, the less we are like the world. Say that with me. The more we're like him, the less we're like the world. It's not by makeup or jewelry or by clothing that people identify the God in us. It's by our words and our actions and our deeds. And people, people will immediately, like a magnet, God will draw people to you that need to be set free. They need what you got. Realize, understand, you got what they need. They may not come to church. They may, not go, they may go to a revival. But you are that church. You are that revival on wheels. You take the message to them. They see your life because your life is pleasing to the Lord. It gets their attention. And they say, I want what you've got. Look at someone and say, it's time, it's time. for someone to say to me, I want what you've got. Titus 2 and 13 says, Titus 2, 11 and 12 and 13 says, say no to godliness. When you're saved, there's no condemnation. When you're sanctified, you can overcome the hurts, habits, and hang-ups. The third type of grace is a supernatural grace. Acts 4 and 33, and with great power gave the disciples witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Right there in a season of oppression, 
right there in the season of negativity, the church turned the world upside down. Millions died for their testimony. Rome hated God. Rome hated the things of God. Rome hated the Jews and did everything it could to squelch and suppress them. But in the middle of that storm, in that middle of secretly meeting together, whoever they prayed for got healed. Whoever they prayed for was restored. Whoever they, got, they prayed for, their life was turned around. In, in spite of all the junk that they were going through, is because they were at a place where God could sustain them, sanctify them, and let them operate in the supernatural. The reason you're not operating in the supernatural is because you're intimidated by the natural. You can't let things get out of order. If the Bible says faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain, there's nothing in your life you can't move. There's nothing in your life you can't turn around with the power and the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time for you to start operating in the supernatural. How do I do that? Start speaking over yourself in the supernatural. Find somebody that's sick, lay hands on them. They don't get any better, lay hands on them again. They don't get any better, lay hands on them again. Lay, keep laying hands on them until they say, no more, I'm tired of you laying hands on me. When they say that, you're done. But until you see a breakthrough, until you see a miracle, until you see victory, don't back off, don't shut up, don't sit down, don't be quiet, don't be complacent. Make a difference in someone's life through your prayer and your praise life because of grace. Amen. The fourth type of grace is a supplying grace. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. We learned that last month, Philippians 4 19. Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And that power that worketh in us is that amazing grace that has the ability to move mountains, has the ability to swim oceans, has the ability to cross rivers, can overcome every single obstacle in our life. There's nothing that the power of God can't do, and there's nothing that the grace of God won't do. You got it made. You got it two and one. Can't and won't. God's moving in your behalf, and grace is operating in your anointing, your words, your declaration. So what are you speaking? What are you declaring? What are you saying? What words are coming out of your mouth Monday through Saturday? Are you talking about the goodness of the Lord? Are you rehearsing your testimony? Are you studying the word? Are you praying? Are you speaking the word? Do you chase people down and say, hey, I got a word for you. God doesn't want you to re remain in this, hut, in this hole, but he wants you to set you in a rock and he wants to bless you. Start chasing people down. Start, start declaring over them. Start <laughs> I'm getting excited. To, I better slow down. The fifth type of grace is the sufficient grace. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, Paul said, I got a thorn. Three times I pled with the Lord to remove the thorn. We don't know what the thorn was. Could have been spiritual, could have been physical. Who knows? He was under attack, being blasphemed by the leaders. I mean, everybody trying to kill him. Who knows? Was it fear? Who knows what it was? But it was there. And all three times he went to God and asked God to do something about it. But God said this. In your weakness, I am made strong. Yes. My grace is sufficient for thee. There are things, whenever Pastor Rhonda says, if you have an unspoken request, lift your hand. Uh, I usually always lift my hand because I need a touch of my back. I flipped a four-wheeler about 15 years ago and crushed L4, L5, and so my back's kind of, kind of whacked out. And you know what? Every time there's an there's a opportunity made for somebody to pray for unspoken requests, I lift my hand. Right. 
Now, so far, I haven't been healed. But there's going to come a day when I lift my hand and I'm going to go, whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> then I'm going to start doing what Tyler was doing today, a little stomp there and say, I know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. But sometimes there are things that we live with, I'm not sure why. We have a lifelong friend. He has spent 18 years in prison. Max security, I try to go see him every few months. We don't know why he's there. He's been wrongly incarcerated. We've, the family spent almost a quarter of a million dollars on attorney's fees. They're going to court one more time. He's been to the Kentucky Supreme Court. The, the, the charges are, are erroneous. They're, they're, they're not correct. They're not accurate. But he's in prison. He leads worship in the chapel. He, teach, he teaches two Bible studies a week. And every day there's someone in his cell that he's praying for and ministering to. So what he's saying, I'm not going to get all angry. I'm not going to get all frustrated. I've asked God to set me free. But until he does, I'm going to minister. Until he does, I'm going to do what he called me to do. And I'm going to do it with the best of my ability. He's written four books. He's memorized hundreds of scripture. He's growing every day. Every day we're believing God's going to set him free. That day's going to come. And when that day comes, this will be the first place he ministers. This pulpit right here will be the first place he shares. And we believe it's going to take place. But there is grace that gives you sufficiency to take care of whatever you're going through. Then the sixth type of grace is the strengthening grace. And I don't know, the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But there are sometimes, David, just in living, it's like I'll wake up and I'll go do my devotions and I'll drink my coffee. And then it just feels like that I'm just, I'm just physically energized. I can't explain it. I don't take protein powder. I don't take drugs. I don't take uh, any, any of those things that, that hype you up. I'm hyped up enough. But there's sometimes I just feel like that. Don, I don't know if you've ever had it, but it's like I'm tired. I'm weary. Then all of a sudden I get this second wind, and I feel like doing something for God. And that is the grace that God provides. The last grace, are you ready, is the stretching grace, which is the grace I don't like. Mish, can you relate? I don't want to be stretched. I don't want to grow. I don't want to change. I don't want to get out of the comfortable. I don't want to get out of the normal. Anybody re respond to that today? I, I, just don't, I just don't want to be pushed. I just don't want to grow. I just don't. And, and a lot of us are pregnant with the word and don't even know it. And God's wanting to birth that word out of you. And the reason you're having all these problems in your pregnancy is because you're not letting the word be released. And you're not doing what God called you to do. Hello. First, second Peter 3 and 18. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're done with milk. We're done with candy. It's time to start eating meat. It's time to start speaking meat. It's time to start operating in meat. It's time to realize that it's time to grow. The, the, the ways that I grow best, I believe, obviously, in, in worship, obviously, it just feels like when I'm worshiping him, I feel closer to him. I feel stronger in my praise. When, when two or three of us are praising him together, two or three gather in his name, there's something about unity and harmony, some of that corporate worship. I feel like, I feel like I'm growing. But I think sometimes the way I feel I, I'm growing the most is during the week when God brings things to my life, and then he sees how I respond to them. Do I help the homeless? Do I home the helpless? Do I do what God has called me to do? Or do I... Turn the other way, like the one Pharisee that went the other way around from the, the, the guy, the, the prodigal, not, not, help me. Yes, the guy that got beat up. 
Thank you, David. The guy that got beat up, the, 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 the priest turned, the Pharisee turned, but the good Samaritan went to where he was. How am I responding in the week? Am I responding as a good Samaritan? Am I, am I letting my gifts be activated for me? Am I making a difference in someone's life? I do that in praise. I do that in worship. I do that in prayer. And every once in a while, fasting. The Bible says you want this kind of faith, fast and pray for this kind of faith. But as we begin to declare the goodness of God, things begin to change in our life, and we actually see things change, and we begin to grow. Anybody in this house want to grow? Anybody in this house want to get stronger in the Lord? Want to see greater things take place? Then take what you've learned this morning and go and practice on somebody. Listen, if they don't get healed, they're not going to sue you. Hello? If they, don't, if they don't get out of that chair. I mean, what, what did you lose? What, what did you lose? And what if they get up and walked out of the wheelchair? You want to pack this church out? You get about 10 wheelchairs, and all of a sudden walking and running. You'll pack this church out. You'll pack this city out. People are wanting to see a divine move of God. People are wanting to see the, uh, the, the gifts and faith in operation. You are the gifts and faith. You are the operation. You take it. The Doobie Brothers says, taking it to the street. You've got to take it to the streets, what you got here, in Jesus' name. Amen. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. If you're here this morning and you've wandered away from God and you're not where you need to be and you know it, there's no judgment there. There's no condemnation there. You've enjoyed the singing, the praise, and the worship. You learned something today in the Word and you say, you know what? I'm not really where I need to be, but I want, but I want to get there. Don't embarrass me. Don't bring attention to me. But if you will this week, just pray for me. I want to, I want to, I want to draw closer to God. I want to, I want to turn back to the God of my youth. I want, to, I want to see things happen in my life. I'd like to come back to the Lord. Don't embarrass me. If you want to embarrass me, I'm going to lift my hand. I'm not where I need to be. Yes, is there another? Yes, yes, is there another? God sees every hand. God sees every hurt. God sees every heart. God went out of his way today to get you here. The janitors got it ready yesterday. The worship team and the sound crew got it ready this morning. The worshipers worshiped. The singers sang. The dancers danced. But today, this whole service was all about you right now. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's by faith in that call that we accept the Lord into our heart. And I just agree with you this morning, Father, whatever the need is in their life, I pray that you would that you would manifest a miracle. I pray that you would spiritually show them your purpose and your will. You would take away loneliness, you take away grief, take away sorrow, frustration, things reaped because of bad decisions that you would not allow their past to devour them. You don't let their future overwhelm them, but they would learn that today is the day that you have made. Today is the day you have brought them home to you. And we know in heaven, all of heaven rejoices when one child comes home. When he leaves the 99, he finds the one. The shepherd rejoices. All of heaven rejoices today over these decisions. We rejoice. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation, a shout of victory, a shout of glory? Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. What a good God that he is. It's 11 minutes and 50, 11 o'clock and 53 minutes after 11. It's time to go to a restaurant and take over. It's time to go and let your love shine. Let your light shine. Don't give your 
waitress a dollar tip and expect her, you to impact her life, bless her accordingly, a minimum, 20, a minimum, a minimum of 20% and even a little bit more, that, that will back up your words. Actions speak louder than words. Go and practice on somebody. If you have no one to practice on, Elio and Candy will be here and you can go back there and you can practice on them. And, and, and Brandy, what a joy to have you this morning. Wednesday, I thought you were Candy. That was so crazy. That was so crazy. Elio and Candy got a major blessing thanks to Josh and Pastor, Pastor David. Uh, God just turned some things around. He's in the turning around bit. You can't hang, Aaron, you can't hang around the things of God and not be affected. Right. Look what happened to you this week. You didn't even know that I know, but I heard you got a blessing. You want to stand up and declare it to the house what God blessed you with? Loudly? Loudly. Was there a car involved? Well, tell us about the car. Does it run? Well, there's your, that, there's your reward right there. There's your prize right there to see someone draw closer to God, not because of teaching, not because of, of anything other than watching your life, right. seeing what you sow, seeing what you give, seeing what you plant. Donna, thank you for planting into the Wednesday night teaching. You're a blessing there. Yes. Uh, I, will, I will share uh, Wednesday night. I felt, keep, keep the music going. I like that when the music goes. Wednesday night, Pastor Rhonda was sharing, and earlier, earlier in the two weeks earlier, we had talked about blessing the Bradley County inmates, and I think that we decided there were 80. There were 80, and so we wanted to bless them with a $20 uh, towards their commissary, so they'd have $20. Well, we did the math and realized it was about $1,600, and we said, well, maybe we could send them $5. But in the, in the service, and if the Lord allows next Sunday, I'm going to talk about nudges. But in the service, just silly. Just, I felt like the Lord nudged me to ask Pastor Rhonda to share what happened. Because it was kind of funny. It was cute. It was precious. It was funny. And so she shared, you know, we wanted to give every inmate $20. And then we multiplied it times 80 and realized it was $1,600. And we won't be able to do that. We'll be able to do something else after the service. Look at someone and say, after the service, a precious man of God came up to Pastor Ron and said, I'll take care of the 1600. Here's the 300 to go. Here's the 300 to go towards it. That's the way that God rolled. You cannot, listen, you can't get involved in the kingdom of God and not get blessed. You can't do it. It's impossible. It, the Bible says it's overflowing. It flows out of you all over somebody else. Make sure you're full. Make sure you're overflowing. Make sure you concede into someone else's life. We'll give you a chance to worship God this morning in your offering. It's his tithe, our offering.